wow, 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 wow. God does not, uh, not disappoint. Amen? Amen? Ever. Hey, um, yeah, we went to the family marriage, family life marriage weekend to remember a few years back. It was great. Um, I personally believe that Pastor Stacy and myself have the best marriage on the planet. I know that there's a few billion other marriages out there, but I think ours is the best. Uh, that being said, and all other things aside, it got better when we went away and we learned more. So if you think you know everything, then you really need to go. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, come on, that was funny. <laughs> I'll tell you. Yeah, there you go. The, the, by the way, the statistic, 60% of all marriages, including those in the church, uh, end in divorce. That's true. Do you, know what, do you know where it doesn't happen? It doesn't happen where people are passionate about God. That, that statistic drops off when people are passionate about God. Because if you're passionate about God, you know where he stands on divorce and you don't want that to happen in your life and you'll do whatever it takes for that not to happen. And so the statistics are that it does happen in the church, but if we find a group of people who are passionate about the relationship with the Lord, the statistic no longer applies. I'm not saying that divorce disappears, it gets far less. Stoke your passion for God. Get to some events. Fix your marriage. Our marriage wasn't broken. We went. Our marriage is better than ever. Guys, I'm telling you, you want to go. Husbands, go. All right. Well, we have a message today for Walk Across the Room, but before I get there, I want to I stop for a moment. I want to... I I want to preach at the prophetic word that came through Pastor Stacy this morning. I want to talk about that for a moment. This idea that when we first get saved, we accept the love of God freely, and it is free. But then once we get saved, we think we, for some reason, we get this thing twisted up where we think that now because we're saved, now we're in the church, we think we have to earn it. And God can't love me unless I... Fill in the blank. And that is, there, there is nothing that could be any further from the truth. And so I want to read a, a story out of the Bible today. I want to read some scripture to you. And it's not going to pop up on the screen because it wasn't on, it's not on there. Uh, but I'm going to read it to you and then we're going to talk about it. And it's, the, it's uh, Luke 15, beginning in verse 11. It's the parable of the lost son. It should really be the parable of the loving father. It should really be, it's not parable, it should really be the reality of the loving father. Then Jesus said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood, and not many days after, the younger son gathered all and journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal or sinful living. But when he had spent all, and there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and he joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. And he would have gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the pigs ate, but no one gave him anything. This is where we were when we were sinners. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to eat? And to spare. And I perish with hunger. 
I will rise, I will go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against you and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose, and he came to his father. But while he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion on him and ran to him. And he said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I am no longer to be called, worthy to be called your son. Verse 22, but the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe. Bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and bring the fattened calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry for this son of mine was dead and now he is alive again. He was lost and now he is found and they began to be merry. And so this is the story of salvation. We all, at one point in our life, we all were far from God. We were, all the, we were all the sinner. We were all the prodigal son. We were all far away from God. And we all had to come to this moment of decision where we ask God to forgive us of our sins, to come into our life. God, take me back into your house. And God doesn't just go and say, well, I think I might have some dirty robe over here in the corner. No, he says to his servants, go get my best robe. And go get the ring of authority. And go put the best robe on him and put the ring of authority on his finger. He's making him a son again. He's not just inviting him in. He's making him a son again. This is the glorious story of the gospel. This is why we want to just walk across the room and talk to somebody. This is why we're doing a candy outreach in downtown, in North Troy, Knickerbocker Park. You don't like trick-or-treating? I don't care. I found where the sinners are, and I'm going to them. I'm not stumbled by gluttony, so the candy's not going to stumble me. Somebody asked me, uh, in, during the video announcement, somebody asked me, can we glean some candy while we're eating, or while we're packing the bags? And I said, No. And I don't know that you're, you're going to be okay to come to this event because there's going to be a lot of candy there. And if you're thinking that you're going to glean some here, you're going to glean some there. Maybe you shouldn't come. Maybe this is like the, maybe this is like the bar for the alcoholic. You should not come. <laughs> All right, if there's, a, if there's an open package of candy that, you know, you, we can't put that in the bag, that we can glean. That we can glean. Do you guys know what gleaning is? Gleaning is when... Uh, I'm on a rabbit trail for rabbit trail. Gleaning is <laughs> when they go through the field and they cut the, the weed off, right, and they put it in bundles, and then they go through and they pick up the bundles and they put it in the, in the storehouse or they bring it back to the threshing floors so they can thresh it. Then the gleaning is when they allow the, the widows to go through the field and pick up the little heads that they missed, the scraps that are left over. So can we glean a little bit of candy? That's fantastic. Wonderful. Wonderful. I love it. We're going to walk across the room. I found where the sinners are. I found where the unchurched people are. I found where the people that don't know God are. They tend to hang out on this one day, October 31st, and they all want candy. So I've got some candy. I'll go and buy some more. And we're just going to give it out to them. And we're going to talk about the good news of Christ with as many as we can. We're going to pray over every single bag. We're going to pray over every single person as we're passing them out, whether we pray with out loud words or not. 
And as many as we can, as many people as ask, we're going to invite them to church. And as many people as we ask, we're going to tell them about the gospel. We're going to pray for healing. We're going to pray for deliverance. We're going to pray for whatever needs they might have. Why? Because this is what Jesus would do. Just go out and be with them where they are. He went and he ate with sinners and tax collectors. Ate with chief tax collectors. Where were we in the story? They began to be merry. Verse 20 something. Now the older son was in the field. And as he came back and he drew near the house, he heard music and dancing. And so he called one of his servants and he asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and because he has received him safe and because your father has received him safe and sound, he has killed the fattened calf. The older son was angry and he would not go in. Therefore, the father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, lo, these many years I have been serving you. Serving you. Serving you. I lost my place. I have never transgressed your commandment, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. Here's the, here's, the, here's the predicament that we all get into, and we all fall guilty of this, and this is what the, the prophecy was talking about this morning, is that we come as the son that was far away that lived with prodigal living, and then as soon as we get saved, we make ourselves like the older son who stayed, who's like, listen, I'm working here. I'm earning your love. Show me your love through what I'm doing. And the father says, no. No. No, you've got it all wrong. The older son, he says, look, I've been serving you, and you never gave me much as a goat. Forget about the fattened calf. You never even gave me a little goat. He's mad. He's upset. He thinks he's earned it. And the father says, no, you're wrong. You got it wrong. That's not the way it works in the kingdom. That's not the way it is. That's not my heart. You have never even given me as much as a little goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as the son of yours, doesn't even call him a brother, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you kill the fattened calf for him. And the father says to the son, son, you are always with me. He kind of states the obvious. But it's important to the father. You're always with me. You're always with me. You're always with me. I love the fact that you're here. We've got this relationship. This has been going on for a minute, and it's glorious. And all that I have is yours. You're mad because I didn't give you a fattened calf? No, actually, you've made the mistake. The fattened calf belongs to you. It's yours. 
It's yours. It's yours. You, owe, you already have the fattened calf. It doesn't belong. The father's saying, it doesn't even belong to me anymore. It actually belongs to you. It's yours. If you wanted the fattened calf, you could have taken it at any time. You want a goat? Take a goat. You want a sheep? Take a sheep. What do you want? It's yours. Take it. It's all yours. It's all yours. What do you need? What do you need? What do you want? You want to go? Go do it. Yeah, you want to have? Yeah. It was right that we should make merry and be glad for your brother who was dead is alive again. He was lost and he is found. And it, it pulls back to the fact that we should rejoice over every single person that comes into the kingdom. There should be a, a glorious party, right? You know how to party? If you know how to party, I, get, get, I want you to get ready to get your party on because people are coming into the kingdom. They're coming. They're coming into the kingdom. So get ready to, be, get ready to have a party. If you like parties, come on, you're in the right house because we're about to see a whole bunch of people come into the kingdom. And when they do, we're going to have a party. Every time someone comes, we're going to have a party. We're going to celebrate and we're going to rejoice because someone has come into the kingdom. But we have to remember, we have to position our hearts right, that the love of God didn't change when we got saved. There's no matter to crossover, and now we have to earn it. That doesn't exist within the kingdom. It's still free like it was yesterday. You didn't earn it before. You can't earn it now. You didn't do anything to save yourself. You're not going to do anything to perfect yourself. And the love of God wasn't there when you weren't a sinner. The, the love of God was there when you were a sinner. And it's there even now as you serve and you get things wrong all the time. <laughs> See, we get into the kingdom and then we're like, oh, I'm going to serve. And then you're not serving well or you're serving and you're creating messes. And you're like, oh, Jesus can't be happy with me. I'm not doing a good job. No. When my kids were little, we, we fixed the deck. We had to replace a few boards. And so we pulled up the old boards and we put down new boards. And I had the boys help me. They were, they were young and they weren't able to swing the hammer really well. And they would hit, I, I would start the nail because they couldn't start them. And so I'd get it in so that, you know, nails that long. I'd get it in like halfway. And then I'm like, okay, hit it in. And they'd start hitting the nail and they'd miss the nail and they'd put hammer marks in the woods and hammer marks in the woods and hammer marks in the woods. And I'm telling you, there's portions of the deck even now where the wood is chewed away so badly because they kept missing the nail. Am I mad? No. <laughs> Why? Because I don't have a perfectionist mentality. Number two, I, my, my son did that. My son did that. My son helped me with this. I don't care that it's a mess. If you don't like it, you can leave. This is my deck. My son made that. It doesn't have to be perfect. I'm going to put a little bit of extra uh, sealer or paint, paint stain, whatever it is on there to keep the water out. It's fine. I don't care. My son helped me with that. When the disciples came and they were making all this, he sends out the 12, the 12 come back. They're saying like, yo, let's call fire down from heaven. Jesus is like, no, that's not the right attitude. No, that's wrong. Eh, wrong. Who's greatest? Here, they just got back. They, they saw all these revivals. They, they get back. They're like, hey, who's the greatest? Who's going to sit next to you in heaven, Jesus? No, Jesus says, no, no, no. Stop, stop, stop. You've got it all wrong. 
And there was a third thing. I forget. Anyways, they get, they're getting all this stuff wrong. And Jesus says, hey, this is going great. Mistake, mistake, mistake. This is going great. Let's get 70 more and let's send them out too. This is the way Jesus does discipleship. Why? Because if we're moving, he can redirect us, right? But if we're stagnant, we're not going anywhere. He can't do anything with us. He can't turn us around if we're standing still. You can only turn around if you're moving. What I want to bring to you today, the import of what I want to say to you today in this brief little thing is that God loves you. You can't earn it, and you don't deserve it, but it's there anyways. So just receive it. Stop, stop, stop putting up a wall and not receiving it because you think you don't earn it. You, you, you can't earn it. You never could. I can't earn it. No one can earn it. Mother Teresa can't earn it. Well, maybe she can, but she didn't. She might be able to, but that's not how it works. There is no earning the love of God. You don't ever earn the love of God. I don't care if you're holier than thou. You don't earn the love of God. There is no earning. It's free. It's free. It's free. It's free. It's free. And it's not tied to any kind of performance. There's no scorecard. Let me check your report card and see if you get the love of God today. No. 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 He loves you. And it's the love of God that transforms you. It's the love of God that brings you to the place where you want to serve. It's the love of God that brings you to a place where you're able to be holy. So we have this thinking and it actually injures us and causes us to stay in our place of sinfulness or not working for the kingdom longer because we've put up defense mechanisms so that the love of God can't get in because we don't think that we deserve it. And then because the love of God can't get in, it can't transform us because we're not letting it in. It's a vicious cycle, and only you can break it. Only you can break it. We break it by allowing the love of God to come in and penetrate our heart. So just let it in. Just let it in. The thing that kept coming to me throughout worship, the thing that kept coming to me throughout worship is, are you done yet? Are you done yet? You've tried it. You're trying your thing. You're trying to, to be right. You're trying to be holy. You're trying to earn it. You can't earn it. You done yet? Are you done yet? Surrender. Surrender. Faith comes through surrender, not through striving. Jesus, right now, God, we pray, break off every striving. God, break off every thought that we need to earn it. God, break off every thought that we don't deserve it. God, break off every thought that we're not worthy. God, break off every thought and just allow your love to pour into our hearts. Allow your love to pour into our hearts. Allow your love to just overwhelm us today, God. To overwhelm us today, God. To bring healing, to bring wholeness. That we would know who we are. That we would know that we are the sons of God. That we would know that we are the daughters of God. That we would know that we are the children of God. 
that we are loved by our maker. The love of God, we break off every wrong thinking in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Listen, you belong here. You belong in the family of God. You belong in the kingdom of God. You belong in the Father's house. You belong in a place where you're able to receive the Father's love. You belong. Don't let the enemy lie to you any longer and tell you you're not worthy. You're worthy. You're not worthy because of what you do. You're worthy because of who he is. You're worthy because of what he says about you. The Lord is returning for a bride, right? The, the Lord, God, he is the bridegroom, and he's returning for a bride. The bride is the church, the glorious church, the victorious church, the holy and perfected church. Where does the righteous church, where does our righteousness come from? Our righteousness doesn't come from us doing things right. The Bible tells us that our righteousness comes from God. Paul says, everything that I've even done, it's filthy rags. My only righteousness that I have is from God. Who are we? We're children of God. Why am I good? Because Jesus said that I am. We live in the Northeast, and I know that there's this mentality. You've got to earn it. You've got to earn it. You've got to earn it. You've got to be right. You've got this religious mindset. If you're not good, God's going to stomp you. No. He would have stomped you before. He's done with that. It's, it's all love. He loves you. It's not, ah, oh, just let the love of God in. Just let the love of God in. Let the love of God in. Whew. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Amen. Amen? Glory. All right. Now. <laughs> uh, I don't even know. Hey, we're, uh, we're, just walking across the room and Jesus is in the middle of it and every time we take a step we hit him and it's glorious and it's good and uh, we're just going to keep going with it because he's doing amazing things every week it just gets better and better we need to be better evangelists we need to be better about telling people about Christ we're not talking about even being evangelists actually we're actually just talking about the responsibility of witnessing the responsibility that Jesus has given every single believer, whether you're an evangelist or not, to share the love of God with someone else. This is what we are called to do as Christians. There is no one that's left out. I don't care if you're, if you're a full-on evangelist or you have not got an evangelistic bone in your body. You are a Christian. You have the responsibility to share the love of God with those who don't know God. It's clear in the text. We've looked at it again and again and again. And if you need me to look it up for you again, it's Matthew 28, 22, or 26. It's there. It's the end of Matthew. Go into all of the world. Preach the good news. That's from, Matt, that's from Mark. <laughs> Go, therefore, into all of the world. Preach the gospel to every creature. It's not telling it just to the evangelists. It's for everybody. It's for all of us. All 12 disciples, 11, were there. Matthew was not an evangelist. There's nothing in the text that tells us that Matthew had an evangelistic bone in his body. But he was there. Jesus sent him. He said, go, tell, go. 
There's others there that might have been evangelists, more evangelistic. He told them too. We're all to go. The evangelist, Ephesians 4, says the evangelist is given so that he can equip the saints, that's all of us, for the work of ministry, the sharing of the gospel. We should all want to do this. When we say that, hey, there's an event going on on Saturday, and there's going to be a whole bunch of unsaved people there, and you might be able to tell somebody about Jesus, we should have 100 signatures on the paper. I want to be the one handing out the candy so I can tell them about Jesus. I'm going to tell you that we didn't have 100 people sign up. (laughs) We should. I understand some of you may have already had something on your schedule. I understand some of you work Saturdays. I'm saying all of this to say because we're going to have another event. This is not the last. This is the first of many. We're going to start to have event after event after event after event after event after event after event. You're going to get sick of it but you're going to love it, and you're going to be asking me for more. You have two choices. (laughs) You can sit back and say, I'm not going to take part in this, and you can get sick of me saying it. Or you can take part in it and say, man, I love this church. (laughs) I love what we're doing here. Because you can't start telling someone about Jesus and not get crazy, out of control, excited. Because when people start coming into the kingdom, there's a party. Tell me that you don't like a party. We all love parties. This is why we throw them all the time for any reason. We're graduating third grade. Let's have a party. (laughs) Stop it. (laughs) Let's party about someone just came into the kingdom. The angels are going to have a party. And so the spiritual realm is going to have a party. So if you get anywhere in proximity to that dude... You're going to be taking part in the party whether or not there's birthday cake or not. There may not be a cake. There may not be balloons. But there's going to be a party. And if you get close to it, it, you get that party. Rejoice. Oh, my gosh. Does it get any better than this? No. It doesn't. It doesn't get any better. The only place that gets better is closer to the throne. I haven't gotten there yet. I mean, I'm getting closer. But, woo. Pray that we all get addicted to seeing people saved because of the glorious party that goes on. (laughs) I just want to be near the party. I just want to be near the party. I love a good time. (laughs) It's a holy good time. It's a holy good time. Oh, man. It's good stuff. How did I get there? Hey, today we're talking about next chapter in the book, Discern Next Steps. So sometimes what we need to do when we're sharing the love of God with someone is we need to be able to figure out where is this person at and how can we help them to get closer to Jesus? How can we help them to get closer to Jesus? I'm going to jump ahead, guys, to the graph. And so here we have this graph. This was kind of put out in chapter, I think, three or two, but I want to revisit it here because I want to talk about next steps as it relates to this graph. See, when we meet somebody, we could kind of, I mean, we, maybe we shouldn't, but we kind of can, and, and we need, do need to discern next steps, and so if we're going to discern next steps, then we need to figure out where they are on this graph, and how can we move them from being Kim Jong-un to salvation? So this graph... <laughs> 
I, I made this graph a number of years ago. I don't think he's as bad of a guy now as he was. I don't know. I mean, I don't know him personally. But in the news, he was pretty bad. In the news, he's kind of mellowed. Can we all say that a little bit? No? Okay. I don't know. I don't, I'm not, somebody's shaking their head no. Okay, so he's still negative 10. <laughs> Thank you for the input. How can we move him to a negative 9? Like, right, let's, let's come in with some realistic expectations. If I were to sit down with him over coffee or lunch, I'm going to probably come to the understanding that, hey, maybe today isn't the days of salvation for him, but maybe I could just get him to stop killing people by the million, right? If I can accomplish that, then maybe we can move him from a negative 10 to a negative 9. Maybe. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, and, and uh, you know, if we're going to convince him to do that, we're going to have to speak to things in his heart because externals just going to convince him. Externals is convincing him to go the other way. You know, like maybe you find negative 11. <laughs> so maybe we find somebody, they're at a negative 3, they're at a negative 2, they're at a negative... Wherever they're at, we have to be okay. We have to come to the point with... Maybe today isn't the day that I lead them to Christ and I get them to cross the finish line. Maybe today I just move them one step closer to the point of salvation. One step closer to the point of salvation. And so if I'm going to do that, then I kind of got to like just pick up a conversation with them. I got to be in their life, talk with them, find out where they're at, and then discern from the Holy Spirit Okay, what does this person need? What does this person need? Maybe they don't need the book more than a, more than a carpenter. Maybe they do. Maybe, maybe they don't need the book Case for Christ. Maybe they do. You've got to discern. You've got to figure out who is this person and how are they going to come to Christ? What do they need? This is Mission Impossible. Your mission, should you decide to take it, is to lead this person across the line of salvation. This message will self-destruct in three seconds. It is. It's completely impossible. Do you know how I know? Because I don't know. I don't know where anybody's at, and I don't know what they need. I may be able to figure out where they're at, and I still don't know what they need. Do you know why? Because I'm not in their head. Thank God. I don't want to be there. There's a lot of heads I don't want to be in. Most of them. All of them, I think. I, I'm in trouble with my own sometimes. <laughs> but I have a secret weapon to be able to help me to figure out what that person needs in that moment. And it's the Holy Spirit. And so even more now, right, we talked about being led by the Holy Spirit before. Holy Spirit says, go talk to the guy in the gray hat. You're like, no, I don't want to. So now we walked, go, we talk to the guy in the gray hat, and we're talking, and he's saying this and that and this and that, and now I still need to be aware of the Holy Spirit even as I'm having conversation and be like, you know what you need? You know what I think you need? Can, can I send you something? I got this book. I got this CD. I got this can I pray for you, right? You just discern the Holy Spirit and decide what it is that that person needs. When, uh, when I ran my nursery, when, I, when we ran our business, there was a, a place up the street um, did auto body work. And we took our stuff there all the time. Stuff was always breaking. 
and he fixed broken things, trailers and whatnot, and things were always breaking, so we're always there. And so in a short time, we made relation, I made relationship with this guy. And then over the course of time, he, was, um, he fell into some hard financial times. And we're out back, and I'm dropping off my trailer for the 100th time to get the 37th million thing fixed. Who knows? I don't know. And he starts telling me about the financial difficulty that he's in, and I feel the Holy Spirit prompt me to just pray for him. It wasn't an audible voice. It didn't say, pray for him. No, I just felt like I'm supposed to pray. So I prayed. And I said, listen, I, I, I know, I believe God answers prayer. Can I pray for you? And so I closed my eyes, I grabbed his hand, I started praying. This is a man's man, guy, he's his mechanic, body guy, you know, and then some, and like, you know, his hands are grimy, grimy, dirty, and I grabbed his hand to pray for him, and I don't know that he appreciated it. <laughs> and I prayed anyways, I prayed with my eyes closed, because he was looking right at me. <laughs> Holy Spirit said to do this, Lord, so I pray, and I prayed, you know, my best prayer. God help. I prayed more than that. But that sometimes is our best prayer. I prayed, and I opened my eyes, and he's just staring at me. He's, he was a little shorter than me. He's, he's, he's looking at me. What are you doing? He didn't say that, but that's the look in his eyes. And I'm like, you know, God will help. God will help. God will help. We kept bringing our stuff there. Relationship, be involved in the other person's life. It took time. I had to stop what I was doing. I had to set my own agenda aside. Yes, I had to get up, guys. I was working 60 hours a week plus. So, yeah, I was busy. But I, it took me five minutes to pray. Maybe another five minutes for conversation. Ten minutes out of my day because the possibility of a soul going to heaven. Yeah, you bet. Fast forward, dropping something else off there. And he says, I'm losing the business. They're foreclosing on the property. And uh, no, back up, back up. I hadn't gotten to that point yet. He, he came to a point of being very upset because things were going really, really bad. And I felt in the Holy Spirit, felt the Holy Spirit say, Get, oh no, you know what it was? We dropped our car off there and he took it for a test drive afterwards and he asked me about the CD that was in the, in the uh, CD player. I happened to have one of my messages CDs. Uh, it was a CD by Alan Hood, one of the, the best messages I have ever heard in my life. Me, my, if I were to rank, rank messages, this is one of the best. I actually will re-listen to this message over and over and over again for the 150th time. And I've preached this message myself. It's good, glorious, wonderful message. You like, you like it when I bring it. And I bring it regularly. I'm just not going to tell you any more than that. Anyways, this guy hears this message. He hears part of this message. And he's like, what was that? <laughs> and I'm like, that's the gospel. I'm like, I hit the eject button and I say, Here. Listen to it again. And I left them with my treasured prize, my CD. I only have so many copies. Actually, I have it on CD. I have it on uh, the computer. But the way that iTunes broke the thing down when it got installed, the songs are all over the place. So it takes me like a half an hour to figure out how to make another CD. It's like, it's terrible. 
I need to fix it, but I don't have time, and I don't. But I, where am I going? I give the guy the CD. I never got the CD back. I lost my CD. But the Lord told me, hey, give him the CD. This is what, he, this is what you need to do. Fast forward again. Guy says, uh, they're, they're, they're taking my business. They're foreclosed. They're coming in. I don't know how much more time I got. He's like, I've got nothing left. We, we don't even have money for groceries. <sighs> Lord says, go get some money. Go get some cash and put it in his hand. So I leave. I go home. I get cash. Whatever it was, whatever amount the Lord said to me. I think I might have said to my wife, hey, the Lord said I need to give this guy this money. She would have said yes. Because she knows how it works, how we work in our house. So I ran back up with the money, put it in his hand. And I said, here, listen, I don't know how bad things are, but they sound pretty bad. This money's for groceries, in case you can't eat. They're locking your accounts. They're taking all your money. This is for food so you can eat. We got, because we did business with them, we got letters from the IRS. Do, do you owe this man any money? Because it's ours now. So I don't know how far behind he was. He didn't ever tell me. I put the money in his hand, and he says, he says, you know, sometimes I just want to go down and jump off that bridge down there and finish everything. And so I said to him, well, my house is on the way. And so if you're ever headed to the bridge, stop in my house and tell me that you're going to do that. Even if it's two in the morning, just bang loudly. Throw stones at the window, whatever you got to do, wake me up. I got to know before you go. Because I won't let you go. And so what am I saying? I'm saying there's an open door. If it gets that bad and you're going that way, my house is on the way. Don't you pass my house. Don't you let me hear you pass my house. You stop in my house. Now there's carte blanche. Now the door's open 24-7. He never took me up on that offer, thank God. He never found that bridge. But what he did find years later is he made his way to a church. It wasn't this church, but it's a church. And he's getting hope there. He's getting Jesus there. He's getting the love of God there. Why? Because I was... Because I took the time to make relationship. I took the time out of my busy 60-hour work week to stop for five minutes to listen and for five more minutes to pray. I took the time to pop the CD out and take that CD and hand it on and pass it along. Say, here, you need this more than I do. This may be my favorite, but you can have it. I don't even need it back. And then I made the sacrifice. I invested in him. He didn't have money. I gave him money for food. Don't put it in the bank. Keep it in your pocket. Kept investing. What do you need? 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 I just kept discerning the next steps. What do you need? What do you need? What do you need? I want to care for your soul. I want to care for your life. I want to show the love of Jesus. And in that, we just keep moving closer and closer to the point of salvation. And so this is what God wants us to do. This is the task that we've been assigned. Go into all of the world. Preach the gospel to every nation. Use words if you have to. Sometimes we need to show the gospel, and that's how we're going to preach the gospel. Because too many times people have been preached the gospel and there's no love behind the words. They need to know the love of God 
because they probably, in many cases, already heard the words. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't use words and we don't try to pray with them, lead them, guide them, let them know that we love God and that we do what we do because we love God and that we're called to them. We do that all the way along the way. But sometimes our words mean less. Luke 9 says, Jesus said to them, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Whoever, whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Jesus told us that we're not to be selfish. One of the main issues that we run into is that we become Christians and then we stay in a place of only thinking about ourselves. We need to come to a place where we stop thinking about ourselves and we start thinking about and looking at all the other people that surround us on a daily basis. I was just getting my car fixed, guys. I'm not here to hear your sob story. I'm here to get my trailer fixed. That could have very well been my response, whether I said it out loud or not. Whether I say it out loud or not, they hear it loud and clear. So when you walk into that repair shop or, or grocery market or coffee or wherever it is, listen with the ears of the Spirit to what people are saying and be ready to respond. It takes selflessness. We've got to die to self. We've got to put our own agenda on the chopping block and cut it off and just say, hey, I'm in a moment of time where this is important. And I may be late. Or I say, hey, listen, I don't have a lot of time to listen right now. I'm late for my son's basketball game. Can I go? I'll run to the basketball game after the basketball game. I've got a half an hour before I got to be at my next. I'll, I'll, I'll come back. We'll, I would love, I, I got to hear more about this. Do what you've got to do to be involved. Do what you've got to do. Lay down your agenda. Lay down so that our own lives, so that we might help someone else cross the finish line of, of salvation that we could join in the party, that we could join in the party. I just want to be part of the party. We can end right there. The other thing is um, we, be ready to ask questions. I threw this scripture in there. I wanted to talk about the fact that we need to ask questions. It was in the book. Um, now, so it was after three days, they found Jesus in the temple. This is when he had left his parents sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking questions. Jesus is about nine years old at this point, leaves his parents. They lost him. They can't find him. Three days. He's missing. We lost the son of God. <laughs> I lost my Jesus. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Where do they find him? He's in the temple learning listening, and asking questions. So nine years old, he's already, he's already asking questions. We see this all throughout scriptures. People ask him a question, he asks them a question back. He answers a question with a question. You ask me this, but I am asking you that. If you answer me this question, then I will answer your question, to which they don't answer the question, so he doesn't have to answer their question. <laughs> he's always asking questions. Why? Because sometimes it's the quickest way to the punch. 
It reveals a person's heart. When I'm asking questions, I'm interested in the other person. Now I finally find out who they are. I find out where they're at. I find out what's going on. I have to ask questions if I'm going to be involved. If I'm not asking questions and I'm just talking about my own side of the story, I don't know anything. I don't know that there's a need. I don't know that the bank's repossessing the business. I don't know that he's got no more money. I don't know that the IRS has locked his accounts. I don't know that he loved the CD that I had in my CD player. Did I take five minutes? Did I ask a couple questions? Sometimes it takes a bit longer. Ask questions. All right. Praise God. As we go out and as we seek to share the gospel, we need to be intentional about being in others' lives. We need to be intentional about making time to be with them. We just cut out five hours on our Saturday. We're going to go down at 11. We're going to set up. You know, we're going to put on a good display because we don't do anything halfway. God's a God of excellence, and excellence isn't perfection. We're just going to give it our best effort. So we can't go in and put in a half-hearted effort at this candy outreach. We're just going to go in, and we're going to do the best. We're going to put on the best display. We're going to put up signage so that people know who we are. We're going to put out the pumpkins. We're going to all dressed in costume. We're going as some kind of farmer patch thing, pumpkin patch. I'm going to be a farmer. That's it. That's what it is. It's a pumpkin patch, and I'm going to be a farmer. And then we're going to be there for four hours handing out candy, and I, and I hope to God praying with people. So there's a five-hour sacrifice. Why? Because God said, go into all the world. Troy is my world. It's, it's the first thing that he's put in my crosshairs. Troy. Troy's days are numbered. They're coming to Christ. How? They're coming to Christ because I'm going to go hand out candy. And whether they like it or not, I'm going to pray for them as they walk by my booth where I'm handing out candy with all their scary masks and all their demon-possessed whatevers. Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Darkness has no power over light. Light has power over darkness. But we've taken our light and we've hid it under a bushel. No. <laughs> Come on, some of you have been through a children's church. I took my light and I hid it under a bushel. No. no! Satan can't blow it out. He ain't got that much power. He does not have that much power. Who do you think he is? There's, there's never been a contender for the Lord. Do you know why Satan isn't vanquished yet? Because God hasn't started fighting. He's only started fighting. It's barely started fighting. As the moment that God decides it's over, it's over. The only reason, <laughs> the only reason we're not entering into the kingdom fully is right here. This is the only reason. This is the one thing that keeps us out of entering fully into the kingdom of God right here on the earth. The kingdom of heaven here on the earth simply because of what we believe or not believe. All right, I said I was done, I'm done. Lord, if there's anybody here and you've never invited Jesus Christ to be Lord and Savior of your life, I want to invite you to do that today. This is what this whole sermon series is about. It's about the fact that we want to get everyone that we meet into the kingdom of God. We want everyone that we meet to be a follower of Jesus because it's the best possible thing over your life. If you're here today and you've never made that decision, I want to simply invite you to do that today. It's real simple. 
uh, we're, we're sinners, we're all sinners, and because of our sin, there's a separation between me and God. But what happens is when I ask God to forgive me of my sin, he comes into my life, he forgives me of my sin, and now the relationship between me and God is restored. He comes to save me so that I'll go to heaven when I die. He comes to heal my body so that I don't have to live with sickness anymore. And he comes to deliver me from every evil thing that would torment me. Every evil thing, every evil thought delivered from that in Jesus' name. God's breaking things off right now. If you're here today and you've never invited Jesus Christ into your life, I want to ask you to pray with me right now. Pray with me and say, Jesus, I am a sinner. I ask that you would come into my heart, that you would forgive me of my sins, and that you would live with me all of the rest of my life, that you would guide me and lead me by your Holy Spirit, that I will spend eternity in heaven with you, that you will bring healing to my physical body, and that you would deliver me from every evil. In Jesus' name, amen. If that's you today and you just prayed that prayer, I'm going to ask you to check the box on your Engage card that says, Today I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior for the first time. If you did that, there's a party. There's a party God's throwing in heaven. If you prayed that prayer today for the first time, God is excited. The angels are just low down blowing it up, and they're thrilled, and we want to join in your party. So if you did that today, check that box. We're going to rejoice with you. I'm going to send you some more information that uh, describes the decision that you've made and uh, it's good. Amen? Hey, sign up for a serving team. This week I will. Do you have, have genuine interest in others? Ask questions. Glory to God. Thank you guys for being here today. Love, love, love you guys. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you guys. This church, you guys are fantastic. Um, we do talk to other ministers. We know what goes on in other church. And like Pastor Tom says, it doesn't have to be this good. It doesn't have to be this good. We are blessed, 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 blessed. It became uh, even more evident to me this week uh, that we're blessed to be part of Redeeming Love. We're blessed to pastor here. We're blessed to have all of you here. We're blessed to have history here. Uh, we're blessed to still have Lynn and Tom here. Uh, if this church were a murder weapon and it was found at the scene of the crime, they would probably... <laughs> I'm going somewhere with this, I promise. <laughs> If this church were a murder weapon and it was found at the scene of the crime, they'd probably find Pastor Tom guilty because his fingerprints are all over the thing. <laughs> Tie it tight. Yeah, he did that. That wasn't me. It, I get off scot-free. How did that work? I'm blessed. I can't tell you how blessed I am. Thank you guys so much. We love, love, love you guys. Uh, the honor that you show us, the, the, thank, the thank yous and the, the gifts that you gave us for Pastor's Appreciation. We love you guys. We want the absolute stinking best. Our heart, our heart is that every single one of you is filled to the fullest capacity with the knowledge of God and the Holy Spirit and that you all become, uh, you know, demon chasers, chasing the evil one out of the city of Troy because we'll do it together. We'll do it together. It's not just me. It's all of us. And we all come to that level where we have an understanding of who we are in Christ. We all become mature believers. Forget it. The enemy's on the run, and our, our city's saved in Jesus' name. That's the way it happens. All right. <laughs>